0: watch it on hulu watch it on amazon don't freaking pirate the damn show it's a good show <laughs>
1: you can you know you can pirate big bang theory i don't care <laughs> like Dude,
0: what is it on its 20th season now at this point oh I don't my care. god
2: Anyways. they're making so
0: much money they're not hurting i'm yeah i'm, I'm with you on that katie
2: please listen carefully
0: Welcome to the Film Revere podcast. This week brought to you by Audible. I'm
1: Zach. I'm Katie.
0: Our guest for today's episode is the immensely talented Lee Shorten. But first, let's get into some film and television industry news.
1: Starting with some more Star Wars. Straight from Mark Hamill, there's some discussion about um, how he felt about the new movie and how Luke Skywalker was portrayed. Apparently, he once proclaimed, "Quote: He's not my Luke Skywalker." unquote it's pretty uh big (laughs) yeah
0: that's that's dangerous
1: (laughs) yeah he's not mine like um so recently he tweeted out uh quote i regret voicing my doubts and insecurities in public creative differences are a common element of any project but usually remain private all i wanted was to make a good movie i got more than that ryan johnson made it all-time great one unquote so looks like he's kind of taken back his... I don't know if he took it back or if he's just clarifying, you know, things can get mixed up in what people say. And what do you think? you think it was a sincere apology?
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like it's a little sincere. I mean, honestly, you know, films are still being made when they're doing these press junkets a lot of times, or they're still at least being edited. So when you're on set and you're recording all these scenes, you or filming these scenes, like, you may not realize the end goal right like you may just and i think he actually touched on that in a different interview where he was like at the time i was kind of like concerned but then like now having seen the film you know he did a good job so i think that had a lot to do with it um but yeah i the thing is like the internet has a weird way of really just consistently throwing something back at you especially when you mess up and i don't think that the internet thought that he messed up but like fans definitely took a notice of him not being impressed <laughs> with his portrayal of his role. And I mean, obviously there's compilations out there. We'll leave I'll leave a link to one of them. It's actually pretty funny. But it wasn't just what he said, it was also like when he's in an interview with Ryan Johnson and Ryan's talking, and you just see him in the background, just got like this like crazed look in his eye, where it's like he literally has like a thousand-yard stare where he's genuinely just like, What the hell is this guy talking about? So wow. I think that's a little damning as well on top of this isn't my Luke Skywalker so I don't know um yeah
1: I mean I feel it, it's got to be so hard to creatively like that's his ch- like these are his children these are you know he's spent so much time developing these stories and building th- this world and you know he feels so I think attached to it obviously um and it's hard to like kind of give over that just another creator
0: Um, yeah I think that's very true yeah it's it's definitely a good aspect because yeah I mean he's lived with that role since the 70s you know so he does have a very good insight into what that character is but at the same time you got a lot of director do his thing but you know still voice your concerns just maybe not publicly also NDAs I mean you and I both know this as you know working professionals in this industry That's really bad. Like, I mean, we've heard of people getting fired over a YouTube comment, let alone going out publicly. And I mean, obviously, they can't fire him, but they can certainly sue you, especially if you're on, you know, Mark Hamill's level where he has money that they could get from suing him. Um, Yeah. If that negatively.
1: Or even, you know, maybe that was, I don't know if that was a threat or if, you know, him coming forward and saying this was something that someone else told him to do. You know, that's why. Mm, you never know you never That's
0: yeah and it it hits on sincerity in his responses like is his publicist right. freaking out like do you want to be sued <laughs> um, so yeah it definitely has a lot to do with it because like a non-disclosure act isn't just necessarily disclosing you know production and stuff beforehand it's also like potentially damaging a film before it's released or even I mean it's still in theaters
1: mm-hmm. so
0: and it's already got mixed reviews from audience members at least so
1: definitely definitely
0: Anyways, but yeah, that's enough Star Wars. We get Star Wars bias. It's not my fault, but it is my (laughs) fault, actually. It's literally my fault.
1: Yeah, I uh, haven't seen the new movie. (laughs) Oh, my God.
0: I finally saw it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thoughts, concerns?
0: I might touch on it later. You know what? I'm actually going to pose this as a question to the audience. We'll see if we get any feedback on this. But I was thinking about maybe doing a um, review video, just like me talking about it. Nothing big, like five minutes or so, just because I you know, amped it up so much on me wanting to see it. I figure that way people can hear my thoughts if they want to hear them. So I might do that yeah. later on the website. Fair but enough. But anyways, moving forward. On to right. more
1: news. More news. More news. Um, some positivity. So there was news on Spielberg telling Laura Dern, who, if you know her from the Jurassic Park movies, she's the main woman, uh, she said, when I was 23, um, right before a close-up on Jurassic Park, Spielberg said to me, people will tell you what you could do to your face years from now. Don't you ever touch your face, he was saying. Your face is perfect, it's female, it's emotional. So that's sweet. I like this kind of news because, you know, recently we've heard a lot about how women are treated in the industry and oh, all the sexual assault cases and all that negativity. I feel like this is a a nice um, nice story to hear.
0: I could not agree with you more. And, you know, uh, it happens to the best of them, man. You want to hold on to that youth as much as you can and you know, go under the knife and... Sometimes it's great. Sometimes like, mm, that's a nice improvement. Probably wouldn't have done it, probably not needed, but nice improvement nonetheless. But then there's these, you know, jobs where it's like, I don't know how some of these doctors are still employed because they just butcher oh, people's face and it's like, that's your career. So I think it's really nice and refreshing to have someone, especially at Steven Spielberg's level. Again, obviously this was years ago, but he was still big at the time, you know, not you know, going against that me like, look, you are beautiful and your face is perfectly expressive and don't touch it like I think that's awesome you know it's definitely yeah. a positive
1: and just for her age too you know so like 23 that's I mean that's my age but like that's a young age to be working in the industry and he is such he's older he's got you know the power to influence people and it's I think it's really nice you know for him to say stuff like that to a young actress
0: I think so too. And I mean, again, obviously, I'm not a female actress or anything like that. But I, you know, that age is you're very impressionable. And not only that, I, I, you hear stories of people, you know, that are actors or actresses, you know, that they even someone as such as like a PA saying like, Oh, that's an interesting choice, like of an outfit or something like that, or just like something minor, it can freak you out, especially when your livelihood is being on camera. So, it doesn't even necessarily need, but when it comes from a director, then it's like even more impactful. So, I think it's great. Yes. So, um, getting onto some bad stuff a <laughs> little positivity, a little negativity. We're going back and forth today. Uh, <laughs> so, last Tuesday, three films vying for Oscar wins were leaked to Piracy Networks. The three films leaked were Lady Bird, I, Tanya, and Call Me By Your Name. Hive CM8, or is it Mate? I don't know. They're a group that's... I do know this. They're a group that's well-known for film piracy, and they claim responsibility for the leak. In a statement given in their release notes, they said the following... We are especially sharing this for people who can't visit the cinema due to illness or because it is a limited release that doesn't make it to their country. The group also added, don't forget, watching a screener is not like the real thing. You should still go to the cinema and support the producers.
1: Oh, wow. I don't know. (laughs) Wow. So that's... That's something I never thought I'd hear from, like, a hacker group almost, you know? You think of them as, like, the, oh, we're leaking this because, you know, we can. And, like, you know, we hate the industry and all that. But that's surprisingly sweet.
0: Well, it is, but at the same time, they're still killing the performance of a movie by leaking it on the internet.
1: Right, So it's,
0: like, also, how many people are really, like, not to be you know rude or mean and not consider the other people in this you know world that may not be able to see this movie but like i can understand the country thing maybe right but then release it well i don't know they're releasing it worldwide it's not just those countries that would make more sense if it's just those countries and on the other fact it's like people who are ill like how many people really are that ill that wanted to see any of these three movies that it warrants releasing, basically, potentially damaging a film's performance.
1: Yeah, and you know, those people are probably used to waiting until the movies come out, I guess, if they're stuck at home, or if, I don't know, it's interesting. Like, I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know.
0: It's definitely a better stance than being like, ha ha ha, I did this. I mean, especially coming off of this whole, well, there's another incident that happened with a hacker where it wasn't like this, you know, where it was like, this basically, I'm sure this has been, it's all over the news now, but Kansas City police ended up sh- fatally shooting an innocent man in a swatting incident. So if you're not aware of swatting, this is more of a gaming thing, but basically a hacker will find out a Twitch live streamer's location and then call the police and say, hey, there's a hostage situation at this address. Wow. And the police show up in full force because they think it's a hostage situation and they break into this person's house and it cancels the live stream because obviously this guy's getting swatted. Well, in this case, it went really wrong and the police ended up shooting the guy and killing him. And the whole time this hacker is on Twitter saying, oh, ha ha ha, the guy's house that I swatted is on the, the TV and then when it came out that this guy got murdered, he's like, well, I didn't shoot anyone because technically I didn't fire any bullets. And he's like, I'm Oof. not giving myself up. And it was nuts. Like, it was, oh, my God. So, yeah. complete opposite side of the spectrum is that someone definitely, definitely like that. Has. You know what well, I mean?
1: Yeah, and it's, that's crazy. We live in a day and age that people do that to each other. It's like, to you know, he doesn't know the person. He can't see them. Through the screen or whatever, but that's that's pretty brutal. And the fact he didn't apologize, oof,
0: no remorse. On top of that, the people who ended up arresting him was the Los Angeles Police Department. So he wasn't even in Kansas City. Mm. You know, it's just nuts. Yeah, the across rest the world the that you now. can
1: affect someone like that. That's
0: and someone's family. I mean, yeah, I'm not going too much into it, but
1: <laughs> still, it's got it's, dark. It's real on, fast. Yeah,
0: it goes dark on this show. We we said negative. We're going down. We're gonna get emotional here um another side fact though getting back to hive cm8 they also leaked louis ck's film titled i love you daddy after the film distributors scrapped the theatrical release due to all the uh sexual alleg- or sexual misconduct allegations mm-hmm. that were thrown at him and then obviously him ultimately admitting to it um so they ended up releasing it anyway so yeah. i don't know they do interesting things right it's like well you would never be able to see this so we'll release it all right, maybe, you know, like, okay, but I don't know. It's, it's still like, in this case, it's not really ruining a performance of a film because it wasn't going to get released anyway. So I feel like it's a little less of a, uh, I don't know, less impact as far as like to the studio and the people who made the film.
1: So, right. Yeah. That's, that's a different situation. Um, well, I mean, there's people still going to the theater and seeing these films. I saw Lady Bird. Um, t- speaking of piracy, um, so there's I got a list of the ten most pirated television shows of 2017.
0: Oh, I thought so. we were supposed to go positive. We went right back <laughs> down and We're going down a deep hole, man. We're still going oh, down.
1: Oh man! All right. <laughs> did uh? Did you have a chance to look at the list? Can you guess number one?
0: Um. It's going to be Game of Thrones or Walking Dead, which is really unfortunate because oh. I love both those shows.
1: You got one and two. Yeah, Game of Thrones is number one. Walking Dead is two. Then followed by The Flash, Big Bang Theory, Rick and Morty, Prison Break, Sherlock, Vikings, Suits, and then Arrow for number 10. So Dang.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I don't it's know. It's like I a mean...
1: compliment, I guess, to these shows <laughs> that they're so popular. Right. Rick and Morty is the only animated one on there, which is kind of interesting. But they did have the huge new season, and they've got a crazy fan base, so that's not surprising. That's
0: been nuts, actually, speaking on the piracy of Rick and Morty, because I can't tell you how many times I go on YouTube and there's a live stream of some random account because they constantly get shut down that's just live streaming episodes of Rick and Morty. Like, full episodes. Like, just it's not even posting it, it's just streaming it, hmm. you know, like live. It's nuts. I mean,. I don't know it's it's hard for us I mean you're working on a television show yourself right now you know I've worked on films and it's like it's tough because it does impact our industry whether or not it's impactful enough that it's going to affect jobs I mean Walking Dead I feel like it is the fact that it's number two on that list is a big deal considering their show ratings have gone down as far as live viewership down to like I think it was eight million for the season finale Oh, yeah. Which is still really good, by the way, in comparison to other television shows. But when you compare that to the 17 million viewership of last season's finale, it's definitely a, you know, a big drop. Also, that's not accounting for people who do watch it on demand, or in this case, pirate the show. Mm-hmm. So I still think the show's popular, but it affects things. Studios pay attention to numbers.
1: Oh, yeah. And- things are. I mean, and speaking of Walking Dead, things are changing. I don't know if maybe it's because of ratings or why this ended up happening, but the... The visual effects were all done, you know, in Atlanta, where I am, um, by Stargate, and they're getting, they lost the show. So it's going to another studio.
0: Yeah, I believe it's Goodbye, Kansas. Yeah. That ended up picking up, because they had done some work on season seven. Um, mm-hmm. So
1: that's interesting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a huge contract to lose, especially when you have a studio that was pretty much built there for the show. From what I understand, I could be wrong, so don't take me at full value on that. But I mean, it was really helpful. I mean, I knew people that worked on the show and at Stargate Studios, you know, on the visual effects team. And so it was very it was very easy and convenient for, you know, show directors to just be able to pop over to the studio and see how it looks. You know, it's right there.
1: Right, so, yeah, that's the same way mine is set up. We're actually shooting. Um, I work and I eat lunch with the people that are in production, which is really interesting. Um, you don't get that a lot, so. That's,
0: no, it's it's nice, right? Mm-hmm. And it just it's more of a, I don't know. It just me. Ma- it makes you feel more part of the group, especially in visual effects, where it's more and more we're vendors and we're just given plates and stuff, where we're not actually yeah. on set, except for the supervisors, obviously. But um, it's kind of nice to just be able to, you know, talk with the production teams and stuff like that as well. But... Well, that's unfortunate. I mean, a lot of my shows that I like watch are on this list. Like Vikings, amazing. If you haven't watched it, watch it. Watch it on Hulu. Watch it on Amazon. Don't freaking pirate the damn show. It's a good show. <laughs> you
1: can, you know you can pirate? Big Bang Theory. I don't care. <laughs> like, Dude, what
0: is it on? It's 20th season now at this point? Oh I don't care. Oh, my God. Anyways.
1: They're making
0: so much money. They're not hurting. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on Well, that they have
1: that, that new Young Sheldon show series out now, too. Yeah. But Rick and uh, Morty, yeah. especially, I think feel like it hurts the most, the animated shows, because they have, I don't know if it's a bigger budget, but they just, I feel like they have a harder time, like, I know Steven Universe, my favorite show, is, uh, has had trouble having people watch it um, on cable, like, as it comes out, and making money that way, because they get leaked, you know, they get pirated, whatever it is, um, so yeah, I don't know, I would say try to watch your, your shows and support them much as you
0: can yeah i mean it's the easiest way obviously yes you you have to have cable but you don't even have to have cable like i can't tell you like i didn't have cable when i was in canada so i you know watched walking dead on amazon you know like yeah it costs money but if it's like for a show that you really like it's like yeah look at it as a way of supporting your show so yeah
1: well and i feel like that's a big reason also game of thrones is number one is because it's an hbo show So not a lot of people...
0: You have to pay for that separately, right? Yeah, you do. So... I mean, there's HBO now. It's 15 bucks a month. It's not that expensive.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm out of the loop. It may be expensive for other people. I'm not trying to be inconsiderate. But (laughs) for the most part, like, if you had, like, Netflix, throw on HBO now. Boom. You're still only paying, like, under 30 bucks a month. And you get a crap load of shows to watch. Plus, you know, you're not potentially damaging performance ratings. So... But anyways... Let's get to some fun stuff. It's getting real dark over here. Let's do We're coming it. off of the holidays here. Technically, it's New Year's Day. If you're listening to the podcast, because we recorded this New Year's Eve dedication. All right.
1: Ooh, happy New Year! Just
0: needs to be said. Yeah. So happy New Year, by the way. Really bury that in the so middle angry. of the show, but happy Happy New, New Year. Year. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But happy freaking New Year. Whatever. Um. Well, getting into some good stuff. I, I don't know why I'm angry about this. I'm not. I'm I'm happy. My point has been made officially. Die Hard has officially been Confirmed to be a Christmas movie. That's right. The long-going debate is over. Screenwriter Stephen E. D'Souza was asked repeatedly leading up to Christmas about the film's holiday status. He jumped onto Twitter and began replying to multiple Twitter fans, confirming once and for all that, yes, Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Now, the way he did this was pretty freaking hysterical, by the way. He did this like it was a court case, and he's like a lawyer presenting evidence. So, Exhibit A... Is the Die Hard Christmas Children's Book. That is right, listeners. There is a freaking Die Hard Christmas book, and you better believe we're gonna what? leave a link for that. The book he linked is called A Die Hard Christmas, and it is themed after the popular Christmas poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas. And now for a little taste of the book for you, listeners. But John killed Tony with the very small feet and sent him to the terrorists as a Yuletide treat. He put a Santa hat on the German and, all eyes aglow, wrote, Now I have a machine gun. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Dude, I don't even freaking know. Like, it's amazing. Oh, There's illustrations, it's freaking hysterical. Everyone needs to own this book. This, this, when I have kids. This is the book I'm reading at Christmas, and the movie we're watching at Christmas. Like, oh my god, two for one, amazing! Gotta get it. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Oh man, uh, I I think it's funny that he's like official, like about this, like it matters. I don't know. I feel like genres of movies is it's more for marketing and kind of subjective um, a lot of the time. But uh, I like it. <laughs> I don't know. I'm happy.
0: I guess it's just such a weird, like it is. I, like I, I love never, that there's a book, a children's book about this.
1: Oh yeah. That's great. So was that, who wrote that or was it?
0: So yeah, so it was a comedian. It was a comedian who did it. Actually. I can actually look that up right now. So yeah. So it was by the comedian JJ J. Harrison. I don't know. I think it's pretty hilarious. It's it's, I love the illustrations, man. Like, like I said, we'll leave a link to this because it's freaking hysterical but the illustrations are spectacular. So Gather around,
1: kids. And obviously the book. <laughs> Time for a diehard Christmas story.
0: It's <laughs> literally like a freaking dead German with a Santa hat, oh, no. and he's writing in marker on his sweater, the 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 comment that we mentioned, so it's freaking hysterical. But um, another thing that he also did too, though, was for Exhibit B, he referenced this dish commercial. I don't know if you saw this, but there's a dish commercial that went out featuring Santa Claus, and he's having troubles watching, you know, his favorite shows. And he literally tells this helpful man sitting next to him in his cabin, I just want to watch my favorite Christmas movies. And the guy shows him how to do it using a new feature, which is the voice search option for on the dish remote. And when given the option, he very coyly says, die hard. <laughs> That's Santa's favorite Christmas movie, people. You heard it here on Film Revered. And yeah, oh, heard it on the commercial, but yeah, Die Hard is his favorite Christmas movie. But anyways, That's pretty great. what else is going on in the news? Maybe not so holiday-oriented.
1: <laughs> we got a new show coming out that some comic book fans might be excited about. Um, it's called Krypton, and it's it looks like it's a prequel to Superman. Um, and it's set generations before on Superman's home planet, and it follows his grandfather. Um as he struggles with a tough decision to either save Krypton from destruction or let it happen in order for his grandson to meet his destiny. So, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I'm excited to see what the actual planet will look like, because, you know, we've only really seen it blown up, I feel like. <laughs> um,
0: yeah, that's, that's got to be a pretty decent-sized budget for a television show just because of that aspect itself. It doesn't take place right. on Earth.
1: Well, it's sci-fi. It's going to be on the sci-fi channel. Um, And it's from the writer of, well, Man of Steel and The Dark Knight. Um, And it's going to be out March 21st on sci-fi.
0: Holy crap, that's really soon.
1: Yeah. Interesting.
0: Man, you're just going to have a whole Superman legacy because they already had a a relatively prequel series, or I guess like a really long format origin series with Smallville. And then obviously you have the Superman movies. So, that's interesting. Now you're going to have something even before Smallville. Before Smallville, there was Krypton, premiering in March. Boom, there you go. There's the promo.
1: I haven't really kept up with a lot of Superman stuff, I would say, but um, this looks good. This looks
0: yeah, good. It's, it's definitely an interesting premise. I mean, you're missing your main character. It's, But, I mean, to be fair, they did that with Gotham, to a degree. I right. mean, cause you still had the villains, but... Yeah. You know, Batman's there, but he's not Batman yet. He's just a kid. I, obviously, in the later seasons, not to spoil anything, but he gets closer to that destiny, if you will. But starting out, it was more about the other characters. So yeah. it could be an interesting way to explore other characters in the Superman universe.
1: Yeah, that's a great comparison. And I think I, I remember thinking of that when I was reading this because I think there's fans that care so much about the universe that they're you know they're going to check this out. So it's exciting.
0: Yeah, sci-fi sci-fi's making some interesting plays. They recently did a uh, TV show called Happy, which looks freaking hysterical and just off the walls crazy. Um, but anyways, but yeah, moving on. So another thing that happened last week was the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Excelsior himself, Stan Lee, turned 95 years old. Ooh. That's right. There was a large and well-deserved outpour of birthday well-wishes from fans all over. Chief among them came from some of the Avengers cast themselves. Mark Ruffalo said the following, Happy birthday to the legend Stan Lee. Chris Evans tweeted, The one and only happy birthday. Other people to wish Stan an awesome birthday were Don Cheadle, James Gunn, Jason R. Moore from the Netflix Punisher series, and Gabriel Luna from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and many more. I had no clue that he was, uh... How do I say this? That experienced.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I mean, I knew he was up there. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But that's got to be really cool to literally have the characters that you created. Like, I know they're not the real characters, but like having them wish you happy birthday. That's crazy. Like, oh, yeah, Captain America. You know, it's like these characters I created and then the actors. That's pretty special. So I also, too.
0: I mean, and another thing, too. Is people really don't realize this? Is the fact that like he's responsible for so much of the Marvel oh my universe? Gosh, yes. Like, I, I, I'm a, I'm gonna put a link in the link dump for his wiki list of like character creations that he has like credit for. It is like thousand. It's I don't know if it's a thousand, but it's got to be damn close. It's like pages. For like sure. it is a lot of characters. Some not so famous, some famous. But I mean, they're gonna be they could be making Marvel movies for years solely off oh, of yeah. just Stan Lee.
1: Oh, yeah. Um, I think they have. How many do they have lined up? I mean, I I should know this. I'm on the I actually work at Pinewood Studios. And so there's Marvel everywhere. And we are the one TV show that's not Marvel. So it's really funny so
0: much. Like You don't need to. I mean, I know the listeners don't know that. And it's a fun fact for them. But I know this. And you're just making me more jealous. All right. I'm peanut butter and jealous right now. you want
1: you you want you want more um chris evans i saw him the not the other day i guess before holiday break and he uh he was in his car with his driver and he slowed down to like look at my dog because his dog is very similar like they're the same color and everything so that was cute
0: i don't know like i mean like i i've had my share of run-ins obviously as well uh not for comparison's sake but like (laughs) <laughs> you know like living I, I think it happens You know, i mean like atlanta is becoming massive as far as film oh, production yeah. that's gonna have especially if you're on pinewood studios but i mean vancouver i ran into abraham from the walking dead just on the street you know wow. what i mean like it's kind of nuts when you that's i think it's also different for you as well you, you're on set you know what i mean mm-hmm. or you're on, in a s- studio so you're not really probably gonna be like oh my god chris evans can I have your autograph that's, you know what i mean very frowned you're, upon Yeah, you're trying to be professional. But like for me, in that instance, like living in Vancouver, there's a lot of celebrities that live up there. I I definitely went up to him. I'm like, yo, man, what's up? It was raining. It was a dark night, by the way. So I definitely looked like I was about to stab this poor man. I didn't. Don't worry, people. I didn't stab him. All right. Whatever anyone else says, they're lying. Um but yeah, so that was kind of cool because I got to kind of fan out. But even then, I was still like, because I'm so used to having to be professional around people like that, wasn't like hardcore. But he was like super chill. He was there filming a, ABC, a pilot for ABC, Nice. So, which was really hilarious because he talked about it on Talking Dead later that he was in Vancouver filming that. And I'm like, holy shit, I knew this. So that was kind of fun. <laughs> you got the scoop. But, you know, also fun, like getting back to, you know, S- Stan Lee and his birthday, it's like... Did you know another... Because I did, 95 is freaking old, dude. Like, that guy's still doing conventions. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, Stanley. I'm not... I'm oh. not I was so nice earlier. like, experience. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: You, like, tried look, to casually say it, and now you're just like, you're old, man. He's
0: 95. He can take it, right? The man's almost a century old.
1: Oh, wow. Which
0: is nuts. And the fact that he still does conventions and is still doing cameos in films is insane.
1: Yeah.
0: Like, dude, I hope... I am that active at 95. My God. I hope I even have a career, like even close to the like, you know, level of Stan Lee. My God. The I guy I'm is insane.
1: <laughs> Like that's. that's <laughs> <Yeah. the
0: limit>. <laughs> <laughs> like, I hope I make it to 95. I'm happy if I just make it to 95. I don't really care, but I have a good career. I just want to make it to 95. I think it's time to get in some trailer jobs. Trailer drop time. Let's do this. What's, what's up first?
1: Oceans 8 is uh first one I had here. I never saw the originals. People have been hyping about, um, people are upset, it's an all-female cast, the original was all guys, you know, it's always that, they gotta fight people on that, but, um, if you don't know much about the plot, it's, it's just these women who are, um, planning to rob a gala, basically, like this huge event with jewelry, and they have this, like, assembly of women that are helping them do the job, so you got Sandra Bullock, um helena bottom carter which i love um midney cowling sarah paulson anne hathaway um and rihanna of all people and kate uh blanchett there's a it goes on like katie holmes is in it and then um what's the guy from the late night show james gordon, gordon? Yeah. 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 Corden?
0: yeah yeah gordon yeah
1: i saw him in it um but the the women the cast looks amazing. I'm excited for it. The trailer was amazingly well cut. I don't know. I just liked looking at it. So if that's any indication of how the movie's going to be, I'm excited.
0: It definitely caught like the Oceans vibe for sure. It, even in the trailer. You've like, seen the originals? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've yeah. seen like the ones with the Rat Pack and then obviously the more recent ones with, you know, George Clooney, Brad Pitt and Matt Damon and everyone else. yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I'm going to have to marathon those before the new one for sure.
0: They're actually pretty good. It holds up pretty well, I think, for a trilogy overall. It's not that bad. Usually there's like, you know, lesser versions or like lesser, you know, films in that. But it's actually pretty good. Um, I mean, Kate Blanchett, man. I'm, I'm going to watch anything she's in. I ain't going to lie. I, <laughs> I'll be upfront and honest right now. That is, If I had a Hollywood crush, that's her right there. Oh, my God. Her and Rack... Her in Ragnarok, my God. I don't know if it was just the eye makeup. I don't know, but my goodness.
1: (laughs) That's your thing? You're into the the giant... She's the one with the giant horns?
0: Look, maybe I'm into (laughs) horns. I'm not into animals with horns. Uh, Let me make that distinction right now.
1: For me, Sarah Paulson is looking good in this new film. And I loved her in American Horror Story. And she's hilarious. So I'm excited to see her and Rihanna. Like, come on, it's Rihanna.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting one, I, I think. Um, I don't know if she has an accent in that or not. I couldn't tell in the trailer, but it does remind me of Don Cheadle because Don Cheadle had an accent in the Oceans, the original, like well, not the original, but in the Oceans movies with uh, George Clooney. He had a British accent, and I didn't, I hadn't seen a lot of films with Don Cheadle in it before that movie came out, Oceans Eleven. So I just thought he was a British actor. Yeah. I didn't realize till later that he's not. So that was kind of interesting. So I'm curious to see if she has an accent or not. Keeping up with that theme, obviously that's a film that's kind of come under a lot of controversy just because of the fact that it's kind of part of the new Hollywood phase of basically redoing franchises with all female casts when they were originally all male casts. Which take it or leave it how you want. I mean, Goosebumps still as a film, like I think performed pretty okay.
1: Ghostbusters, you mean? What did I say? Goosebumps. (laughs)
0: oh my god yeah
1: did they they did make that a didn't they make a goosebumps film like from the books well
0: yeah with uh jack black they're actually just announced goosebumps too
1: oh okay
0: well so boom hot little news tip for you in the (laughs) subtle conversation we just dropped yeah goosebumps two is happening whether you're a fan of that or not it's happening all right but uh yeah they did ghostbusters and i mean obviously the trailer was like one of the most disliked videos on youtube but the film itself like people still liked it it wasn't horrible
1: i think it's great like for you know little girls to see role models like that you know like um the halloween that same year it was like all of them were like little ghostbusters and that's great like we don't need princesses 24 7 this is well
0: no I, I i think the biggest and this is again like i have no problem with female driven movies or on all female casts. like that's totally fine and I'm not just saying that, you know, I'm not Mark Hamling it here. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sure Hamill is sincere <laughs> in his taking it back. But in all seriousness, no, I think my the the bandwagon I could jump on as far as the you know, criticisms about this whole new wave of films is they're doing it with already standing franchises. It's like I understand like what you say, right? It's great for little girls to have role models to look up to that aren't just princesses. I love that. But the thing is, it's like, you could just as easily make a new franchise. In a way, it kind of undercuts the power and performance aspects of these amazing actresses because it's like, we don't trust... Again, I don't know if this is accurate, but I I, I could see this from the criticisms at least, is that we're going to redo a franchise we know performed incredibly well with an all-female cast. Instead of doing a completely unique and new franchise with an all-female cast, it's almost as like... It's kind of, in a way, very coyly between the lines saying, we don't trust an all-female cast to launch a new franchise on its own, but if we use existing material, then maybe it'll do well. But maybe it's a stepping stone to get to there. Yeah. yeah maybe this is that middle area. I mean, to I, test it out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. That's an interesting point of view. Um, I agree. I mean, I would love to see original stories. And they have, I mean, you got Lady Bird that just came out, and that was like a coming-of-age not, exactly, yeah, yeah, you know, and they, it's done amazing, so I think we're getting there. Um, and it was directed by a woman, too, so
0: yeah, like, I think, yeah, especially. And we have Wonder Woman with Patty Jenkins, yeah, yeah. doing an amazing job. So I definitely think, like, it's it sucks, right? It's it, it, it very clearly illustrates the uphill battle that females in this industry, whether in production or as actresses, have to deal with. It's unfortunate. But maybe this is the middle ground to get studios to realize, hey, look, all female cast, it works. You know, you can do both. You know, it doesn't have to just, you know, be remakes. We can do like legit films. Uh, ori- well, not that this is illegitimate. I'm not saying that, but just like original content. So uh, when does this when does Ocean Eight come out?
1: It is. They have a date of June 8th. So it's oh, summer. Summer right, time. Cool. Nice l- summer movie. A little bit of a wait, but, you know.
0: Well, I'm, I'm going to see it. I think it's going to be good. So I, I, I had my doubts initially again, maybe on that bandwagon. Like I was just like, not that it was going to be bad. I just was like, is this going to be like a, you know, a full on film where they just, you know, phoning it in with the cast and it looks spectacular. Like I think it's going to be a really great, in addition to the oceans franchise. So, but uh, then another trailer that dropped, and this is actually the final trailer for the film Den of Thieves that came out last week. And, man, was it action-packed. So, for those who don't know, the film is a gritty crime saga which follows the lives of an elite unit of the L.A. County Sheriff's Department and the state's most successful bank robbery crew as the outlaws plan a seemingly impossible heist on the Federal Reserve Bank. The film stars Gerard Butler, Jordan Bridges, um, let's see, Pablo Schreiber, O'Shea Jackson Jr., and 50 Cent.
1: Mm. So...
0: I don't know. I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously one who's a video game player may tend to think of GTA 5 (laughs) when hearing a plot like this, because I think that's literally one of the missions as we go after the Federal Reserve. So I'm actually curious. Now I want to play that mission in GTA 5 and then go see this and see if they're similar or not. Someone got inspired. (laughs) Right? Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it's a heist movie, right? There's a great amount of heist films. And actually, that's partly why I'm so excited about this, because it looks really well done. You know, like when you think about it and you think about the, you're like, oh, it's a heist movie. It's probably not going to be that great. Honestly, it actually looks pretty entertaining. You know, I mean, it's a heist movie. It's not going to be groundbreaking. It's not going to probably win any Oscars here. But it's, well, I mean, the town did do pretty well for itself, actually. So (laughs) never mind. It could. It could. I don't think it's on the level of the town. I will say that right now. But it does look spectacular. And I love heist movies. And I like the fact that these, you know, criminals or these, you know, bank robbers, aren't like amateurs they're very professional they're very tactical in the way that they move the way that they're operating their weaponry and i mean this is a very high-tech arsenal this is not like stuff you're getting out the street you know they're using fully automatic weapons like it's a full thing and i don't know i really like it also gerard butler surprisingly and I, again i was skeptical at first is pretty believable as like the head of this unit of police officers like i, I kind I, of i can buy it
1: went from leading spartans to <laughs>
0: this is 300 (laughs) to give me back my 300 dollars so oh there you go we need to get that little hi hat in there but um yeah i think it's gonna be really good it's definitely the the trailer itself gives a very you know dangerous cat and mouse vibe to it and i also really like the fact that it very much seems like you're spending an equal amount of time with the people hunting the bank robbers, as well as the bank robbers themselves. Mm, okay. So I, I like shows like that. Like an example would be a television series on Netflix, which was The Fall, which starred Gillian Anderson from The X-Files. But she plays a detective who's hunting a murderer, you know, like a serial murderer and it's a very interesting show because you spend time with the serial killer as well as the detective hunting him which is also really creepy because and again i don't know if they're going to explore this in den of thieves but they show his normal life and his criminal life oh yeah So there's moments where he's just like a counselor or he's hanging out with his kids and tucking them in at night and then he's sneaking into some girl's house sniffing her panties and then ends up murdering this girl you know what i mean so it's like
1: yeah, really interesting to it's see very, both aspects. Uh, Hannibal vibes, because yeah, I loved the new series, the Hannibal TV show. Um, that was similar because he was in, you know, broad daylight, you know, friends with friends with the cast, and who's...
0: All right, well, it is time now for us to take a quick commercial break. But when we come back, we will have actor Lee Shorten on the show. Shorten has been involved in 39 projects since his start in 2014. He is most known for his work as Sergeant Yoshida in The Man in High Castle and as one of Crowley's demons in Supernatural. Shorten is also no stranger to the comic book genre of television shows, having been on iZombie, The Flash, and soon the arrow so he's a pretty good guest stay tuned we get like i said we'll do a quick commercial break we'll come back we'll have lee on the show it's a great interview you don't want to miss it and we'll see you when we get back bye all right guys and gals are you like me and want something more than music to listen to during your morning commute maybe you want to start reading more but don't have the time to sit down and open a book well for people on the go there's audible Audible offers over 180,000 audiobooks to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. I personally love listening to a book while I'm in the studio. I get to catch up on my books and be productive at the same time. This week, Audible is giving Film Revere podcast listeners a slamming deal. Go to audibletrial.com frpodcast for a free 30-day trial and more importantly, get a free audiobook on us. Now would be the perfect time to listen to Ernest Cline's Ready Player One and prepare yourself for the film. Once again, go to audibletrial.com slash frpodcast for a free 30-day trial and free audiobook. That's audibletrial.com slash frpodcast. Thanks again to Audible for their support, and thank you, listeners. Now
2: back to the show. But, um, but then I like talking to people because I think you know they get a better sense of who you are for better or worse. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> well, you, I'm so happy to have you on the show. I mean, we have a mutual friend or I guess acquaintance um, in Lee who is one of my co-workers. Yeah. So I was super wow. happy when she told me that you were willing to do the show.
2: Oh, of course. Thanks for thanks for having me on to chat.
0: Yeah. Um, so you've had a spectacular career so far that has seen. <laughs> Honestly, you Sir really Jennifer. have. Like, it's really yeah. skyrocketed just in, like, over the past three years. And I guess, like, at this stage in your career right now, you're probably more known for your work on man or The Man in the High Castle as Sergeant Yoshida. Did you have any idea that that was going to
2: be that big? No, I didn't. I, I really didn't. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've creeped my IMDb or not, but he was, you know, originally called The Suited Man. And... Uh, it was supposed to be sort of one episode and then that was it but um I, I got lucky and they liked what i did in the audition and then they liked what i did on the day and they were like you know what uh we should give you a name and you should come back and the then it just yeah it was, it was the dream so um yeah and then it turned into what it turned into so
0: Wow. So, like, what exactly was the audition like that just caused them to be like, this is a guy
2: that needs to be on the show for at least two seasons? <laughs> I, mean, I, I have no idea what they what they saw in me. I, you know, you'll never know. But look, I, I guess I think we get into the like Vancouver actors get into a bit of the habit of um, just playing the scene. Right. Um, because, you know, you spend a lot of years. Playing cop number one or barista number two or yeah. you know, or whatever it is. So and I think people want to want to get the job right, and and so they they just go in and they do what's expected and, and they just play the scene. Um, whereas mm-hmm. you know that maybe because I'm young and naive and that doesn't really appeal to me. So I, I try to bring more of a you know a, a fully rounded character as best as I can with what's given to me, which can be tough with you know like a one or two page audition. But I still try yeah, and find a suited man. Yeah, I try and find something. And so I guess maybe that's what they saw, right? I like the audition was just me delivering some exposition to to the chief inspector. And so you know maybe on one level you know you go in as an actor and it's like okay, so I'm just playing a cop, I'm just delivering an exposition, that's just my job. But you know I, I was kind of viewing even in the audition, I'm like, well, rather than just play as random cop talking to random cop, I'm kind of going to imagine that these guys have a history together and they've you know worked the cases for a while and there's a bit of yeah a bit of a relationship and you know. Whether or not that reads, you'll never know, but at least that's in the back of my head. So maybe that's somehow what they saw.
0: Yeah, I think it lends a lot more to the performance. It's not as much of a empty performance. Not to discredit people who just go in and do the lines, but I feel like that is definitely what distinguishes someone as far as in an audition from the others. And I think that definitely obviously played out because you had a really long stretch on Man in the High Castle.
2: I did. I was very lucky. Very lucky.
0: How did you actually hear about that role? Was it just something that came up through
2: an agency or? Uh, so you know, I've been a big Philip K. Dick fan for, for years. Um, uh, just for those who don't know, you know, he wrote um, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which became Blade Runner. And of course, like Minority Report, Scanner Darkly. Oh, yeah. Like he's, you know, you probably know, but yeah, he's the, the sci-fi guy. So um, when I heard uh, that they were filming this in town and, and I'd read the book back in college, I, you know, I said to my agent, like, I have to be on this show. I don't care how little the role is, whatever. (laughs) Just like, just give me something because, you know, it's, it's cool. And I, you know, I'm a huge fan of his work. So just do whatever. And um, So he's like, great. And then this was the first audition we got. And uh, and then it all just kind of miraculously clicked.
0: Yeah, that's perfect, right? I mean, that's, it's always, it's, it's, I, I feel like a lot of people, that's always like, I was in the right place at the right time. But it's also about putting yourself. In the right place at the right time and i feel like you being as adamant as you were with your agent kind of just streamlined that a little bit and got you into the right place at the right time
2: yeah i i guess yeah but you know yeah it it, it is a lot of just it is luck but you know and and Mm -hmm. again not to take away from people because when you know it's almost like luck gets you the opportunity but then it's like your hard work that converts that opportunity into something else but there's no denying yeah there's no denying luck is you know is a part
0: of it yeah so I mean the show focuses on this alternate timeline in which World War two was won by the Axis powers what was it like being involved in like a world like that uh, heavy <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. yeah definitely
2: um as pretentious as this sounds but you know like uh whenever whenever you take any character or role on you know I, I feel a great deal of responsibility to do justice to that character to do justice to the writing to do justice to the story to my fellow actors to, to everything but you know when you're on something like this which is um controversial which is a classic which is you know quite sensitive really when you think you know you're dealing about oh yeah imperial japan and, and nazi germany this like that added weight. you know you really you really want to respect everything and and really do do your best to to serve that story and, and bring the truth so there was a lot of uh, you know a lot of pressure and a lot of responsibility but at the same time you know the writing was great and the production design is amazing um and and the cast and directors and everyone's so brilliant so when you step onto those sets it just felt so real like it was, it was so immersive half your work as an actor is done because it's yeah exactly it's, it's crazy
0: that is so awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like, so once it obviously turned into Sergeant Yoshida, right? No longer suited man. What <laughs> yeah. were some of the challenges that you faced now that you had to play, like, this character that really does have a backstory and that's going to have an arc?
2: Uh, yeah. The, you know, the thing about TV, obviously, compared to like film or, or plays, is, is you don't have the complete story. And and no one really does, you know. They're writing the episodes week to week, and and all you know is what you're doing that week and what you have done. So, in some ways, it's tough. But then, in some ways, it's just like life. Like, you know, we all have plans, but you know, we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. You just live in the moment. So, what becomes the interesting challenge for for TV, and especially when you know you've got a you've got a role like this where it wasn't really planned, is each week the writers will throw something at you, and you look at it and you're like, you know how can I serve the story and what can I do? And then, you know, not making outlandish, you know, scene stealing choices, but like, to be like, but what can I also like maybe hint at in this scene that might spark some interest in a writer and then becomes this kind of symbiotic relationship where the writer's like, Oh, that's like, they, they see a thread. So then they throw something back to you and then you see that. And then you suggest something and like, you never really speak a lot, but there is this Mm -hmm. dynamic of, this subtle back and forth and that's how you help grow the character. But if you just come in and you're just like, I'm just going to, you know, say the words on the page and not think like that, then they won't be inspired and that's how you kind of get written out or that's how you never get to do anything new. So,
0: Yeah. It's, it's almost like you're planting thoughts yeah, for the writers. It's like, you thought of this. I didn't, I just was, you know, doing my lines, but you, you thought of this, but really you're like, I hope they notice that I'm doing this right now and yeah. they
2: pay attention. And and, and, and it's a bit of both too, of get right? Into that
0: flow, yeah, yeah. Because yeah,
2: exactly. because they're equally probably saying like, you know, I hope he notices this, and, and, and it's kind yep. of yeah, it's a beautiful thing. And I think as long as you have that mutual respect, where you're both trying to 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 to, to, to serve the story and then do your job, um, you can grow something really nice.
0: Yeah, get a good back and forth, and really grow the the story arc there. Yeah. Were there any scenes that didn't make the cut that you wish had?
2: uh yeah there's there's always stuff that doesn't make the cut unfortunately but um yeah joel um who plays keto we had this nice moment in season two that they cut where we kind of sit down and and talk a lot about my my father like yoshida's father um and about how you know historically the there was the internment but there was also the the 442nd which was the japanese unit who, who fought mm-hmm. for the americans and there's you know a big scene about how my uncle fought for america but my father was a japanese loyalist and so i ended up you know following my father and it, it was a really wow. nice kind of scene but it, it just didn't make it so
0: oh man i hearing that now i kind of wish it had made it it's really great i mean
2: yeah me too i, I mean at the time you know there wasn't a lot of actual like japanese american characters on the show you know there was mainly just japanese characters Mm -hmm. so there was this whole and we'd always talked about going there like it really exploring what it means to be japanese american as opposed to you know japanese or you know caucasian american but you know it's a huge cast and there's so many threads and you just true but you just kind of would have
0: been an yeah it would have been an interesting complexity to kind of explore Given the fact that there weren't that many characters that you could have gone down that road with.
2: Right? Yeah, I know. And I I would have loved to. And I know the producers wanted to as well, but um, say (laughs) lovey. Yeah. Now, unfortunately,
0: and we won't try and spoil anything because if people haven't caught up, but your arc does come to a close in season two. It does. What are you going to miss the most about being on the show?
2: Uh, God, you know, so many things, but I, I think one of the biggest things is working with Joel. Um, we really did become quite close friends over the two years, and and you know, not only is he an incredibly talented actor, um, he's you know, a really good person as well. So there was just going to work with him every day was it was a treat on a professional and personal level. Um, so that that is probably the biggest thing I'll miss.
0: Yeah, I think you both have like a really amazing talent at saying a lot without literally saying anything just like your facial expressions or your eyes like you're able to really convey a lot i think in a lot of scenes
2: oh thank you yeah that that, that means a lot to me actually because you know yeah we uh, by by the nature of those characters don't they're they're men of few words but you yeah you're mm-hmm. always trying to like suggest so i'm glad that uh, i'm glad you thought so
0: yeah no definitely it, it comes through really it does Oh, um, now, before you were involved in *The Man in the High Castle*, you've been involved in like a myriad of other projects, ranging from web and television series, a variety of short films, and even a video game. What would you say like would be one of your favorite projects that you were involved in before uh, *Man in High Castle*?
2: Um, uh, *Supernatural* was a was a big one, um, just because the uh, the fandom on that show is incredible. Um, yeah, their fan base is just so like involved and so supportive and so lovely. So that was a lot of fun. Um, but then the other thing would probably be a web series I did with, with a friend of mine, Joel McCarthy. And it's just a super low-budget thing, and it's like ridiculous. Um, it's called Average Dicks. And it's just like that. Um, <laughs> uh, he'll probably hate me for saying this, but it's that Apatow-style comedy, right? Like just – uh, you know, sometimes I think artists hate it when you just refer to them as like they're just like this other artist because like no, I'm my own thing. But um, you know, just for shorthand, it's easy. <laughs> um, so that that that's always a lot of fun because we just show up and just be ridiculous and and uh, and it's with all you know we're all friends. So that that was always a pleasure to work on.
0: Perfect. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to leave a link to that as well. I mean, obviously, with anything that we talk about on our shows, we like to leave links for the listeners so that they can check that stuff out and. Seems like it was definitely something that meant a lot to you. So we'll definitely make
2: sure that people can check that out. No, that'd be cool. Thanks. As well. yeah. So. yeah, Joel does a lot of stuff. Um, so I, really, you know, aside from my own self promotion, um, anything he does is, is worth checking out. So definitely.
0: Now, before you were an actor, you were a lawyer. What yes. made you decide to shift your focus on acting?
2: Um, yeah, I, it's kind of a a bit of a random story, but. Um, you know, I, I, I finished high school and I, I didn't really know what to do with my life. And everyone is like, well, you have to go to law school or med school. And uh, law school seemed like it would be easier. <clears throat> I know a lot of people are like, what? But, <laughs> I uh, love, I love, I love that. You're like, law school, easy. Let me just take the easy route. Well, uh-huh. not necessarily <laughs> easy, but easier than med school, yeah. I, I thought. Um, but then for my, uh, my undergrad, I did film studies and um i just through that time i just really fell in love with the medium as a whole um like and and weirdly i always thought i'd be a director before an actor but you know because i just love yeah look dude i love like shot composition and and um and editing and and how they frame and like uh, i i just love the whole thing um love it yeah and i love talking to people about film you know so much and but then i don't know then it seemed like you know, I was a lawyer for for like five years, and um, I was really bored with it. And I'm like, I, I should, I should give this dream a shot. But then I thought, man, it's probably hard to get to directing because it's like, you know, one director, but like they gotta hire like how many actors. So maybe it'll be easier to get in and and act first and see what that's about. But then I fell in love with acting, so.
0: Um, Wow, yeah. And it is, yeah, I can totally see what you mean as far as directing, because it is one of those things where it's like, it can be hit or miss. Like, you could be directing 16 short films before you get your first break, or you could be, and I'm drawing a blank here, but It Comes at Night, that director, and I really, I think it's Trey Edward Schultz. I'm actually pretty sure that's who that is. And he had a really great run with Krisha, which is a short film. And he won a bunch of awards with that film, came back the following year with a feature version of that film. And then literally was given the reins to It Comes at Night with Joel Edgerton in the lead role. Right. And it's one of those things where it's like, is that just how that works? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. like obviously it's a certain circumstances were in place and it is a mixture of right place, right time. But it is kind of crazy because when you're someone who is looking to get into a new career, like in your case, it's like you want to research people. You want to see, like, what did they do to get there? And it's like those exceptions throw that curveball at you. And you're like, uh, is it that easy? I don't think it's that easy. Right. But um. But then again, it, it's it's kind of ironic to talk about that because here you were, like, obviously you've put in a lot of work before, you know, your big break, which was The Man in High Castle, also Supernatural. You've had other shows that were big as well. But it's just kind of interesting because realistically, your career has been pretty short. Yeah. But growing as much as it has. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean?
2: No, so, it, it, like, it's true. Yeah.
0: So I think that's really great, actually. And it's it, I'm sure you know, that's, it works well with your parents, you know, you decide to like, okay, I'm not a lawyer anymore. And, uh, I'm going to be an actor. And it's like, uh, okay, hopefully that works. I were they supportive in that decision or,
2: uh, honestly, I didn't tell them <laughs> <laughs> cause, cause I knew, uh, I, I kind of knew they would freak out. So, um, yeah, what I told them, um, was that I was just going to take a year working holiday and just, mm. um, chill out for a year. um, and then go back to my lawyer job. Uh, wow. and, but the plan was always t- to pursue this acting thing. And then I got lucky enough that I hit very quickly. So then I could call up mm-hmm. and be like, oh, I just happened to be over here. And um, now I'm doing this acting thing and it seems to be working out. So I'm going to stay here. <laughs> Piece. And it would like, have been
0: great if like <laughs> they were fans of Man in High Castle and they're like, wait, wait a second. Was, wait, wait, I, what? What is that? What? He said working. How? That's the work he's talking Like, That would have been hilarious. Is that his
2: son? <laughs>
0: <laughs> you're like, maybe. I don't know. He looks like a suited man. And then you end up coming back in a big row. You're like, oh, wait, that's definitely him. Yeah, that's definitely him. Yeah, <laughs>
2: yeah that would have been pretty fun. Oh, my um,
0: gosh. Yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, and outside of acting, you're also a musician. I was actually reading up that you were involved in several professional cover bands while you were in law school.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, a professional cover band is like sounds so fancy, but uh, you know, it, I was in a few cover bands. We used to get paid gigs regularly and do weddings and corporate gigs. But
0: you know, yeah, you're getting paid to play music—that's professional at that point.
2: True. Well, yeah, yeah, I'll take it. I'll take to it to a degree. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, hey, well, look, we're trying to talk you up here. It was professional. <laughs> you were booking wedding gigs every day. It was <laughs> insane. You practiced not even go to law school.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, wow. um, what? <laughs> what? What instruments did you enjoy
2: playing? Uh. I started off um, as our bass player um, and then which I really liked and then our drummer quit and then we were trying to look for a new drummer and it was proving really hard so then we took like a six month hiatus and then I taught myself Mm. the drums and then I switched over to being our drummer Um, and I liked that a lot more than bass actually but uh, wow yeah yeah just just bass and drums Mm
0: -hmm. and what kind of music did you guys typically cover
2: um like, like tough 40 stuff. We were very lucky in that, um, we were like a, a six piece and uh you know so we had a keyboardist and, and you know whatever oh, and our lead singer could um play saxophone as well um and then we had a friend who used to come in and do a couple of songs cuz he was like and he was like a rapper like an up-and-coming rapper so oh wow we 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 would literally do everything right like you know we we cover the rock stuff and like Kanye and and um you know Michael Jackson or the Beatles or Jeez. like you know just whatever so it, it was a blast it was a lot of fun um yeah I miss I can definitely understand why
0: you were booking as many gigs as you probably were then. In that case, because you really could just hit just about anything.
2: Pretty much, yeah. Like, you know, once you have a guy who can rap and you have a keyboardist, you, yeah. There's not there's not a lot that you can't really do. So, yeah. That, I, I think I don't know how good we were, but I guess we just booked because no one else was doing what we were doing. So.
0: You always got to find that niche, you know. Right. What is everyone else
2: not doing? Let's do that perfectly. <laughs> yeah, they're not doing Kanye with saxophone solos. We are set.
0: <laughs> You're like, it seems like a small audience. Like, I feel like it's gonna sell though. I feel like this could be something. Yeah. Um Have you <laughs> have you actually thought about putting any like serious thought into doing a music career as well? I mean, acting's taking off now.
2: Um. No. Like. I. I mean, it, sure, it works for Jared Leto, but it's you know. Um, I, I just don't want to split my focus, and um, I, I'll be honest, I'm a terrible songwriter. I I I, I don't have a you know a, a flair for that kind of thing. So, um, and, and I'm a I'm a drummer and a bass player. I have to go find a band. You can't solo bass play. It just doesn't. Um,
0: yeah, well, I mean, you could. I mean, that that's another market. I'm just saying, not a lot of people are uh, doing that.
2: That's that's true. Uh, well, you. well, know. I don't want to push my luck. I don't want to push my luck. <laughs>
0: Well, getting back to your acting career, last year uh, had been a huge one for you. Um, 2017, massive. You were involved in a lot of projects. According to your IMDb, you were actually involved in about 10 projects, some of them which are carrying over now into 2018. What are some upcoming projects that you're most excited about?
2: Um, 10, huh? That's a lot. Uh, <laughs> um. Well, my I'm, I'm trying to think what I can talk about too. Yeah, uh, I have I realized that too because yeah.
0: it's it's funny. One of the projects you're involved in is something I myself can't talk about uh, with the
2: company that I work for. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. So I'm like, oh, uh, uh, what I will say then, um, is, uh, my my buddies are huge Star Wars fans, and um, they they saved a bunch of money and and made this really cool Star Wars fan film um you know and i'm a star wars fan too um yeah uh who isn't right <laughs> um
0: and, and they're so, not
2: they're not a friend so e- exactly exactly <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you said that i'm glad we're on the same page um so i'm looking forward to seeing that finally come out so that'll be cool i mean uh, apparently lucasfilm has like a hosts an annual competition they do yes yeah, i didn't i didn't know that so that's what this is for and um Yeah, it was just cool to kind of like be there and seeing these people in like amazing homemade stormtrooper armor and being like, oh, it's pretty cool. So, yeah, maybe that's awesome.
0: Now, I'm going to hit you with this, and we can cut this out if you feel a little uneasy about it. Okay. But I do want to make an announcement here because it is kind of a big deal. And I know that you're probably not going to be able to say anything about this, but you are in an upcoming Walt Disney film. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure if there's anxiety ramping up right now in you, uh, titled Noel. it stars Anna Kendrick, I think is the lead actress, mm-hmm. but you are in that as well as Officer Chen. Is yes. that accurate in me saying that? Uh, yes, that is. And is there anything at all that you can say to our listeners about that?
2: Um...
0: Maybe how you heard about it, how you got involved at least.
2: Uh that was just one where i i just happened to get an audition through my agent and and went in and um yeah yeah that wasn't something i actively chased down um which is not to say that it's not cool and it wasn't a lot of fun but it's one of those things right like you know you know in this industry you kind of get typecast pretty early so i was Mm -hmm. i was surprised to get that to come from like hey you you were just like gassing children on men in the high castle and, and <laughs> you know do you want to come and be in that disney movie was a little like oh i mean yes absolutely i honestly I do. don't
0: feel like there's much of a difference except for usually they're just killing parents it's
2: <laughs> usually the other way around but true like like, like, like mufasa and stuff <laughs> um i mean uh, i i will like uh, yeah i can't say a lot about that but i will say like Um, again, everyone on that was just like, so professional and such a pleasure to work with, you know, um, you know, Anna and, uh, and, and Kingsley who, who I worked with and then the director, um, Mark who, who did like Miss Congeniality, um, which Mm -hmm. is so, so welcoming and then everyone was so friendly, which is, which is great.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's hopefully another, you know, step in the right direction. So what, I guess, speaking of your future, would be a goal that you'd like to see yourself accomplishing within the next couple of years?
2: Ooh. Um, that's a big question. That is a big but. question. Uh, hopefully I'm just still working. Um, <laughs> <laughs> cause you never know, right. It's just such an up and down career, but I mean, I mean like ideally, uh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd, I'd love, I'd love to, to be on a show like, you know, Westworld or, yeah. or, or, um, uh, Black Mirror or, or something like Breaking Badish. Just something kind of dark and and um, and, and intellectual. Got yeah character driven too. Like yeah.
0: real actual characters, not so much over the top but like actual characters, you know, that make people feel and relate to.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. A nice a nice character driven piece would, would be great. Um that that would be that would be amazing.
0: Well, and I think, you know, you've had that experience in a way with Man in the High Castle. There's not really a lot of over top performances in there. Like, I feel like they are true performances. You know what I mean? Like they they convey like the right emotion. It's not over the top. It's like perfect for that scene. Yeah. Which is in the same vein of the shows that you just mentioned that you'd like to be involved in. Or a show
2: like that. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. I, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad that you think so because I, I know everyone in that show worked very – like Men in the High Castle worked very hard, and we're always very conscious of, of of that. So that's that's awesome. And, you know, that's not to say I wouldn't love to go and do a stint on a sitcom, you know, because I like comedy too. And, I, you know, all those things would be amazing. But, um, you know, again, ideally, I mean, yeah. How can you beat shows like The Wire and Breaking Bad and – Oh, my you know, gosh. The Sopranos. Yeah. Like they're, they're just – something else
0: right yeah and i mean they have the uh, awesome bonus of potentially launching serious acting careers i mean you look at like idris alba and the wire and it's like i i still think it's hilarious to this day that a lot of people up until more recently didn't even realize he was an english actor right because he did such a phenomenal job in the wire right you know so Yeah, it's funny because like we actually had Anne Scotland on uh, a few episodes ago and she had done some of the investigative discovery type shows. Like I almost got away with it and stuff like that. And, you know, I I do feel like there is a certain kind of fun in doing the over the top because those tend to be more over the top. But they know that, you know what I mean? And it's nice to do those as well. And it's similar with sitcoms as well. So, but I do think you're a really great performance artist as far as like when it comes to actually getting involved in a character. I think that. As a character actor, I think you could have a really good career.
2: Thank you. Yeah. To me, the prep is is like half the fun. Like I, I love nothing more than like going and researching and reading and, and, and trying to like figure it all out. Like I, I love that. So, um, so thank you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. And for the listeners that are, want to hear more about you, we'll definitely leave links to your Twitter so they can hear all your updates as well as some of the uh, films and topics that we talked about in the interview. Um, but I wish you best in your career. I really do feel like it's just going to continue to grow. So I really want to stay in touch and see where you go.
2: Yeah, please do. Please do. Um, yeah. Are you in Vancouver?
0: Yeah, I actually am yeah. in
2: Vancouver. And, oh, man, we should, uh, I work at MPC. Yeah, we should grab a beer some, sometime. So. Yeah, definitely. That would be great. So. Yeah. But yeah, man, thank mm-hmm. you. Thank you for having me.
0: All right, well, we are back from our interview, and I think it's time to get into some movies that we're looking forward to that are coming out this year. I think it's a great idea for you listeners to kind of get a feel for what we're feeling on Film Revered Podcast. So what are you looking forward to, Katie? What is a show that you want to see or a film you want to see that's coming out in 2018?
1: All right, number one film, 2018. has got to be Incredibles 2.
0: (laughs) The wait has been long.
1: Oh, man, it's... It's been long. It's been childhood. You know, we're the age... I mean, I'm. we both saw when we were younger, and it's, whew, it's... I'm so excited. I can't even. And the... Oh, my God. The animation, like, looks amazing. The CG, like, it's improved. You know, that was... How many years ago that they did the original one? So...
0: It was a long time ago, yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. Like, And it's so interesting to hear you say that, right? Like, like the animation is so spectacular. Because... Keeping in mind, like when you first saw that, you weren't in the industry, right? Like you and I, for listeners who don't know this, Katie and I actually went to the same school, Dave School in Orlando, Florida. And it's interesting because we had, we, part of the curriculum is you learn animation. Obviously we're more focused in visual effects now with our careers, but we had to learn animation. So it gives you a whole nother appreciation when you see a film knowing how it's made.
1: We were, we were, we sat next to each other for the first day.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. That's that's literally how we met, people. Yeah. If you want the origin story, it was really short <laughs> and sweet. It wasn't, like, cool. I'm sorry. It wasn't as epic, you know. I ran her over with a golf cart in the oh. studio back lot oh, at man. Universal Studios. And I was like, I'm so sorry I ran over your foot. And you're like, you're an asshole. And then we were friends ever since. So, no, that's not what happened, although that does sound fun.
1: We but were no. in school together. But it yeah, is just, I just because yeah. we came different parts of our lives. You know, the people that come to that school, you know. We have people in our class that are straight out of high school you know, we both went to college first, four year universities, and then mm-hmm. you know, happened to end up there the same month, same time. So I think it's a good origin story. Yeah.
0: But <laughs> it ended well. Yes, good friends. Yes. So uh mine is gonna be Ready Player One. Yeah. Talked about it on the show before in trailer drops, last week actually. And I don't know, man, like I'm excited to see a Steven Spielberg sci-fi flick. Like he's been so entrenched with a lot of more I think films that are based in reality, I guess, you know, uh, more recently with The Post. And then obviously everyone knows his work as a producer and helping with the, you know, Band of Brothers, The Pacific, all these war franchises. So it's exciting to see him get back to sci-fi.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I had never heard of the book um, or any of the story before seeing the trailer and knowing the movie was coming out. Um, And there's, there's a big fan base of, you know, just the book and... It seems like it's you know it's touching on that um, uh, virtual reality and how <laughs> getting closer and closer. I think it's it's a not too distant future, so it's interesting. Right? To...
0: It's it's so perfect the timing of this yeah, exactly.
1: I agree. Yeah.
0: So and I mean Ernest Klein, I mean who's the author of the original book? I, he's such an awesome guy. I mean he he's just like a genuinely cool person, and he also wrote a good book, you know, which is the best combo. But. <laughs> I, I remember like when reading the book, uh, I was really con- I, I never really imagined it being a film because there's so many licensing issues. Right. So obviously anyone who's seen the new trailer, especially the recent one that we talked about on the show, like there are so many freaking iconic characters from different films and different studios, more importantly, that are in this i mean you even got video game characters like uh you know you got people from overwatch you had chucky in there at one point dude for like chucky two seconds. messed
1: a guy up he i don't dude, know he,
0: someone <laughs> took a knife to the face okay i'm yeah. telling you that right now Okay, he was elevated chucky was full-blown <laughs> in the air he's got
1: ups guys he's chucky's got ups
0: chucky can jump man yeah. he's got jumps he's got them hops yeah so but yeah no i'm really excited for ready player one and i love the way that it looks like the world looks oh in, yeah you know the trailer so far i think it's gonna be freaking awesome so anyways coming out of our films to watch what's something that people can watch right now let's get into what to watch
1: my what to watch is gonna be the new series dark on netflix so this is a the first german show on netflix actually um And it's, I'm, oh my gosh, I love it so much, I can't speak more to watch it. It's perfectly, if you like stuff that's kind of messes with your mind, mystery, but also kind of supernaturally involved stuff, um, you know, I could compare it to like Black Mirror, The OA, stuff like that, then you're going to love this series. Um, I would recommend, when you first turn it on on Netflix, it actually plays in English. Um, They dubbed it, and then... I would switch it to German because that's obviously originally what the actors are speaking. Um, And then you can do English subtitles. But it's up to you. It's whatever you want to watch. I just feel like get more emotion out of the scenes that way. And it's a very emotional show. So that's my what to watch.
0: Yeah, I I remember you touching on that. And I was like, oh, man. Because I've seen, I've scrolled through it. And it's funny that you mentioned the whole English thing. I think it's an important fact to mention or a point to point out because the trailer because obviously Netflix does like auto trailers now which is actually really freaking annoying by the way Netflix if you're listening you can cut the shit out all right because it's really annoying it's coming when I'm from constantly Zach. going through <laughs> yeah come come from me right yeah but <laughs> it's like I scroll a lot and when I have audio constantly playing every time I scroll it's like I'm flipping through TV channels which oh, yeah. I don't need that in my I hate life it. yeah um but the trailer that they play on Netflix is english really so a lot of people would think that it's an it's they wouldn't immediately think it's a german show is what i'm trying to so you probably will notice when the lips don't start matching up but if you're watching the trailer you may not know that so yeah definitely switch to german i'm gonna check it out i love creepy things and i love horror films and this sounds like a nice horror tv show so i'm gonna check it out for sure um my what to watch also a television series on netflix uh though this is a documentary series is the confession tapes and this has been out for a little while and i've been meaning to watch it for quite some time and i took a vacation as you all know recently and i had some time to watch some shows that i've been meaning to watch and this was one of them Now, if you don't know about the confessions tapes, it takes a critical look into some true crime cases where American law enforcement made up for a lack of actual physical evidence by using devious psychological tactics during interrogation in order to exact or extract confessions from naive suspects. So I will start by saying that I've only seen the first two episodes. Again, I didn't have that much time. I was hanging out with family. But it is riveting. I mean, to see these people who are without a doubt innocent. Again, it's a biased look. It's a documentary. So take it with a grain of salt. You always need to do independent research with these. But for the most part, it definitely seems like these people are innocent. And to see them be so easily persuaded into confessing for a crime they didn't commit is incredibly unnerving.
1: Wow. Yeah, I love true crime stuff like that. And it comes down to a lot of... Psychological stuff and you know how the human brain works, and
0: yeah, I mean, like it's, it's interesting too, I mean like real quick, just like in in the same vein of this, there was a YouTube red series that's out with the guy from vsauce the creator of Vsauce called Mindfield. It's probably the only YouTube red series I'd recommend watching that's actually really good, um but they explored in an episode False Confessions. And they would convince or use fear to get test takers to admit to cheating, even if they didn't. And in one case, they got a girl who didn't even cheat on the test to confess to cheating oh in under nine minutes. Under nine minutes. Wow. Yeah. You know, so it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, I think a lot of people, especially jurors who are on cases like these, where it's solely reliant on just the confession alone, they're like, well... <laughs> I would never do that if i murdered someone if i didn't murder someone i'm not gonna say i murdered them that's ridiculous i would never do that so clearly this guy is guilty and it's not a good mindset because there are ways of like i'll use an instance for instance here okay without going into the details because obviously i want people to watch the show but in this instance in the first case in the first two episodes it's two-parter they're dealing with these young kids. They're 19. They're still kids in my mind, like not kids like naive, but they're naive. You know what I mean? Impressionable. And these kids are dealing with the aftermath of a murder. And the police department is convinced that these guys are the murderers and they are ignoring other leads, leads that are literally coming from the FBI, like informants, are coming like it's insane Like they ignore it because they're like these are the people but because of that they start leaking stuff to the press and the press gets a hold of this and they just paint these guys as monsters they're constantly being attacked in the like in the press they're being hounded like everywhere they go they have press everywhere it's like paparazzi everywhere because everyone's painting these guys out to be a murderer bearing in mind no charges have been laid at these guys at this point so when you have a constant barrage of media saying, hey, you did this, you did this. I'm not saying that they think they did this. I'm saying that it's like you start getting concerned that like people are going to there's no way people are going to believe I didn't do this. Mm. So what are my options? Yeah, you know what I mean, it, it's, heavy. it's not even I, it, it is heavy. It's not even the fact that like you're admitting doing it because you think you did it. It's admitting it because you feel like you don't have another option because there's no one's going to believe you. Which is ridiculous in the case that, like, you really didn't do anything, no one will believe you. And I will also say that this is not a show with happy endings. You know, like, it's not a show where it's like, and then, you know, they had a crack lawyer team, you know, legal team, and they figured it out, and these guys got off. And thank God for these people. No, they didn't. Because they made very convincing arguments with these confessions. That's the whole point of the show, You know, like an episode more often will end with, and now they're serving three consecutive life sentences and they've used up all their appeals. So these people will die in prison.
1: Jeez. Yeah. People get falsely convicted all the time and it's scary how often that does happen. Whew. Well,
0: so I don't know. Sounds like a good one. I'm going to check
1: it out. I love true crime. And if you love these kind of stories, you should check out a podcast, My Favorite Murder. They, they're comedians. They go back and forth and they talk about um, cases, um, very often serial killers or just killers, and it's super interesting and they're hilarious. So, I love that stuff. I grew up listening about it. Um, my dad actually taught a course. He teach he teaches criminal justice and he taught a course oh, on serial killers. Yeah, so love it.
0: Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I, I think that there's. Obviously, I mean, you can see the trend now with the whole freaking, you know, Mindhunter just came out, which was another phenomenal series. Like, I think the True Crime is getting a whole new rise. I think people are fascinated with, not that they're fascinated with doing it. I think they're just, it's a whole different subculture or a lifestyle that no one would ever do themselves. But it's interesting mm-hmm. yeah. know, to get into the mind of that. Well, it's interesting so. to think
1: about what the human body human mind is capable of you know
0: and yeah i mean and it's dude it's i mean speaking on the trend i mean i literally went to see my barber for the last time (gasps) because i'm not in vancouver anymore people but i went to see only you would cry about
1: not seeing your barber again
0: well, dude, she was awesome. Like we actually like would drink, like we'd okay. go out to the bar. That's fair. Like it was like obviously with friends and everything. It was fun. Um, but like one of her coworkers was talking about last podcast on the left, which is another great podcast that deals in true crime with a comedic twist. But they were talking about the Picton murders, which happened in Vancouver, and it is Canada's like most notorious serial killer, the guy who was responsible for the deaths of forty eight women legally but was his actual numbers like up in the 70s because they couldn't find any evidence um but it was super nuts because like i'm talking to her and it kind of like you just say like your dad teaches criminal justice they were talking about the victim then she goes oh yeah my dad was like one of the detectives on the case and yeah. so i was like what the heck so we had this whole conversation which i don't know i mean like if you're interested in it, then you're like, oh, that's so crazy, you know, and you're going to have a full conversation. If you're not, you're like, why are these people talking about what the that? <laughs> yeah, on? exactly. But exactly, exactly. Well, that's the end of episode four of the Film Reviewer podcast. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Be sure to show your support for the FR podcast by leaving a review on iTunes, Google Play Music or wherever you happen to listen to the show. Another great way to show your support is by getting a free audiobook on us from Audible by going to fr frpodcast. If you enjoy the show and would like to ask a question for the podcast, feel free to write us at filmrevered at gmail.com or check the inboxes tab on our website at filmrevered.com. Thanks again from all of us here at Film Revered. Happy New Year.